joining me now for the, uh, the bazillionth time, and, and I, I could do a bazillion more, <laughs> is, is Leonard Slatkin, music director of the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. Uh, welcome back. I had it at three to go before we get to a bazillion, but okay, you probably have more accurate now. <laughs> but we're close. Uh, you're here because, uh, well, because you were gracious enough to agree to the invitation, but you're going on a trip next week. Yeah, I'm here to talk about leaving. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't leave. It's... Okay. Well, we have to, otherwise I can't go on the trip. Yeah, well, that's true. The Asia uh, tour is coming up. Uh, 11 concerts in uh, uh, Japan and China. I think people can imagine there's a lot of work that's involved in this. I mean, just thinking about moving all of those people and their instruments uh, halfway across the world, practically. But one thing that struck me thinking about this is what a, a great indication this is of the health of the city, because you can't just decide, oh, let's go to Japan. You've got to have the support to do it. And that you are able to do it is a tribute to the health of uh, the philanthropy in this town. Yes, and we said six years ago that we would not embark on any major touring unless we had all the financial resources in hand. In other words, we were not going to let ourselves get into budgetary freefall because of a deficit run up just because we were on the road. And that means several things. One of which is that fiscal responsibility has to come into play here along with artistic vision. They have to go hand in hand. We have obviously our endowment, we have our various fundraising mechanisms, but we also have a separate group when we decided to embark on this tour to raise money specifically for the tour. In other words, it does not impact on any of the other fundraising activities. Mm. Because both Japan and China have strong business ties to various Detroit organizations, both corporate and charitable, we thought the best thing to do was to tie those together. In other words, make it not just about the DSO coming over to play, but to help cement the relationships between the corporate sponsors in the different countries. So along the way, we have patrons and donors and corporate people who make that happen. In other words, you're looking at a tour now in a way you didn't before as a business opportunity as well as a musical one. I know that sounds a bit cut and dried, but it's almost essential for an orchestra like the Detroit Symphony to do that in order to make it work. We've talked about touring for a long time, and this was the one area that seemed the most likely for a big tour. The orchestra hasn't done one in, what, 16 years, something like that? I, I thought, yeah, I thought I saw 19 years 19 since... Uh, uh, touring at all. Yeah. Well, uh, I went from, to Florida from, a couple times. And, and Carnegie Hall, of yeah. course. But but that's different. An international yeah. tour is a whole other matter. Yeah. And you're right. You're taking a lot of people 
you're taking a lot of instruments, you're taking a lot of clothes, you're taking all the music, you're taking patrons. There are all kinds of elements that go on a trip like this. Just logistics alone are astonishing. You have to get from one city to the other. You have to get everything in to the places and the venues. You've got to get your hotels booked. You have to get the visas all taken care of. Oh, Not yeah. such an easy thing in China in particular. Yeah. Uh, so all of that is now in place, considering that the orchestra is leaving Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> we seem to have everybody's passports where they need to be. Uh, we've been rehearsing assiduously the last two days so that we can be in good shape when the first concerts arrive. But then you have another matter altogether. There are a lot of members of this orchestra who have never done a tour. And they certainly, in many cases, have never had to encounter this kind of jet lag. You're talking about uh, an 11-hour difference yeah. between here in Tokyo and then 12 hours when we get to China. So you're reversing the clock. A.M. there is P.M. here. Right. Uh, I've been giving every day little travel tips, and actually I'm going to send most of them by email to the members of the orchestra so they know from me what it's like. I do it every year, either conducting orchestras in Japan or China or taking other orchestras on tours to those places. We have a number of our musicians from China so they can fill in our players about what that's like. But I decided to do it from the point of view of a Westerner going and what they might encounter that they could find interesting and things that they should avoid as we go on the trip. Basically, we're ambassadors. We're coming as the representatives of the city of Detroit to present part of our cultural legacy, as it were. Well, and and thanks to the webcasts, you've got a, a following. We do. And uh, that's a very important point you raised. Not only, and maybe we're the first orchestra to really utilize this and maybe take advantage of it, but there'll be a number of members in the audience who not only know how we sound from our recordings, but know how we look from the broadcasts. <laughs> they will recognize many of our members. Now, especially in Japan, when you finish a concert there, I know I usually have to go to a table and there's between 200 and 300 people waiting for me to sign CDs and posters. But the members of the orchestra shouldn't be surprised that there'll be people waiting outside for autographs from members of the orchestra. They will be treated like rock stars by this public that already wow. knows them. Well, that'll be that'll be fun. I hope so. When uh, when you go on a tour like this, and you've done a lot of traveling, of course, what is it that you you take along that you you got to have that you can't get there? You know what I mean? I mean yes. Some... Well, I think certainly by going to Japan first and basing ourselves out of Tokyo, anything people left at home they can get. That's not a problem. But the, the key, the, the crucial part for a group going is to travel with a doctor, which we are. Is, is traveling? With a doctor. Oh, with a doctor. Who we take on the tour. The doctor has a complete medical record and list because even though many prescription medicines might be available there, they'll go under different names. Oh. So should somebody need something, the doctor has to be able to have access to it, not to mention should, God forbid, something happen to a member, they need to have complete medical records. So that's one thing everybody has to really take into consideration. 
the second thing that you take into consideration is that even though things are relatively safe in the places we're going, the microbes that exist in the water are different than what we have here. So it's not a question of bad water. It's a question of different. And mm -hmm. sometimes our Westerners don't adapt to what the water is like. So what you want to do is pretty much stay with bottled water uh, when you're drinking it. It's good fine for showers and brushing your teeth, things like that. But overall, bottled water becomes very, very important. People have certain nutritional needs. So they need to perhaps pack protein bars that they might not find there. Uh, other things that are like that become important. Japan is very cosmopolitan these days, so you can find your McDonald's and all that. I highly recommend against that. <laughs> Nothing against McDonald's. Well, I shouldn't say that, but for me, part of the great adventure is going and experiencing what differences are in the cultures. And that's the food as well as the entertainments and the various things you can see that you wouldn't have here. Will you have some time for sightseeing? I'm leaving actually after the concert on Sunday and getting there a few days in advance. There's some uh, publicity opportunities that need to be taken care of. Uh, I go often enough. I, d I don't need to outright sightsee in that sense, but the orchestra does. So when they arrive, they will get in mid-afternoon. The trek from Narita Airport to their hotel is going to take about two hours. You have to go through customs and immigration. So they'll probably get to their hotel 5.30 or so. Good idea for them to try to stay awake till about 10 if they can. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a fight, but you you have to sort of... you got to reset get, your get, clock. You have to readjust your clock, but only uh, as your body tells you. If you start falling asleep when you arrive in the afternoon, you're going to be in trouble for the whole trip. Mm. So they have to get used to that. But there's a lot of wonderful areas to walk around. Get used to it. But it, it takes a few days. And for me, as well as my wife, we find the third day is the one where jet lag kicks in. Wow, really? Yeah. Well, my guest is uh, Leonard Slatkin, and uh, he's taking our Detroit Symphony Orchestra across the seas to uh, Asia next week. Uh, you mentioned, you just touched on, on something that a lot of our listeners would be interested in. At 3 o'clock Sunday, this coming Sunday, in Orchestra Hall, there's a free concert of uh, mm -hmm. sort of highlights of the music that you're oh, taking. Three of the pieces, yeah, plus a couple of the encores that uh, we're playing on the trip. I, I might point out that, that in general, when orchestras, particularly ones from the States, travel to either Europe or Asia, they usually play pieces within the standard canon. We're defying that by playing a lot of American music and in China playing a big new work for cello and orchestra uh, based on music from a Chinese drama from 1987. So we're really coming over not only just to represent our city, but to promote what the music is like from our country and the countries where we're going. In Japan, we'll have a performance of a work of Takemitsu. We have a couple of Japanese encores we'll play. 
And these are real signs that the Detroit Symphony Orchestra does things that are different. In Japan, we have two soloists. The majority of them are played by the pianist Makoto Ozone, who's the leading jazz pianist, always has been in Japan. But he's playing the Rhapsody in Blue. He's classically trained, and I'm really looking forward to meeting him. I've heard him several times live, and he's just an exceptional artist. I really can't wait to do the Rhapsody with him. And Akiko Suanai, who I've worked with many times, is playing at a festival that I believe is hers, where she's doing a work of Toru Takamitsu, whose daughter, by the way, is one of the presenters of the tour itself. She's with the Kajimoto Agency. And she's also playing the Korngold Violin Concerto, which is what we will have with her here on Sunday. She'll be uh, there Sunday afternoon yes. as well, this coming Sunday at We're the North Hall. Uh, a piece by my wife, Cindy. So again, unusual, you're bringing a living American composer, female, to Asia and presenting her music, which is heard surprisingly often in Japan, turns out. So that will be exciting. And the big piece is Copeland Three, So it's not exactly like we're taking Beethoven Three, something a bit different, offbeat, but one that we expect will excite folks. It comes on the heels of the release of our latest album, Copeland III. And so the, that's the Japanese part. And Tchaikovsky Four goes on the tour as well, some places. That's, that'll get them going. Well, I hope the Copeland will too. <laughs> Wouldn't want to play those two pieces on the same program, though. You're also doing the Barbara Adagio, yes, which has a very special significance for well, for, for, for all Americans, but uh, well, for you especially, it's. Uh, I don't want to recount the whole thing, but it was a piece I played a few days after 9/11 in London at the proms, and it was particularly personal and. Uh, we're not playing it for any other reason other than just its musical value. It will usually follow the Candide Overture and be placed before the Rhapsody in Blue. I think sometimes it follows double play of Cindy's. Depends. But it's just there as a reminder of what a great piece of music it is, not yeah. a particular connotation that has been ascribed to it. My guest is Leonard Slatkin. We're talking about the Asia tour, which uh, begins next week. Uh, now, in, in China, you have a, a slightly different program uh, yes. than what you played in Japan, but well, you've, you've already touched on uh, several of the well, pieces. what's happening here is Copeland Three is an amazingly expensive piece to play. You've got two harps, you have two keyboards, you have a lot of extra musicians. And even though we're in good shape with our fundraising, taking extra musicians for three weeks was a little on the extravagant side. And the Chinese are probably not as comfortable yet with hearing a work like Copeland Three. It will be totally unfamiliar. Chinese have entered the Western cultural marketplace a little bit after the Japanese. So they're still coming around to hearing standard repertoire in many cases for the first or second times. So for Japan, uh, for China rather, I think we do Candide Overture every night. Then we have this Cello Capriccio, uh, which is based on a very famous drama 
It's 300 years old. It was turned into a television series in 1987. It was one of those, like Dallas, most watched, where everybody would huddle around a TV set, 10, 12 people, to watch the program every week. Everybody knows the music, uh-huh. except us. <laughs> but we went through it yesterday. It's very beautiful, very lovely. Oh, they're going to love that. And uh, they will all know it. Yeah. And that will be the attraction for them in terms of getting them out to the concert. And then they stay and they hear the Tchaikovsky Fourth Symphony as well. Uh, we do have a couple of little fancy encores that we play in both Japan and China, and that's good. There's some outreach going on where our musicians are going to do some teaching and chamber music playing. I imagine there'll be lots of uh, sightseeing. We don't know how much adventure there will be on the part of our musicians in terms of culinary delights. I recommend it to them that if they have a chance, they should try the scorpion on a stick. It's always interesting. <laughs> oh, well, it's okay. better than the fried tarantula. <laughs> it is. I'll take your word on that. Uh, the cellist that is accompanying you is Trey Lee, yes. the soloist. Uh, and he's worked with you before. He has? Where? Yes, he has. Where? We, we we interviewed him yesterday. Uh, I had a fine interview with him. It was a lot of fun. We're going to run it uh, on the Monday after uh, the that concert. And uh, uh, He didn't tell me this. Where did we work together? 1995. Yeah. Blossom. Was he in the orchestra? In Tchaikovsky the- 5. Yes, he was. And. Yeah. He he said it was a life changing experience. Oh, for I him. hope for the better. <laughs> well, he th- he thinks so. He uh, you, you although you've deprived the world of economics of a of another bean counter uh, because you know his Harvard degree at first was as yep. an economist. Yeah, he lives in Berlin, I believe. Fantastic. Be well, that's nice to know. I'll remember that while I'm conducting the piece. <laughs> he was he was uh, uh, very touched about it. He, That's nice. He, he, uh, he said it changed his life. Ooh. So uh, you're respons- a lot of responsibility there. Yes, that's right. I was oh. going to say. Uh, and one other little uh, possibly uh, self-serving note here. Throughout the, uh, the, fest- uh, the, the tour, We'll be checking in with the Detroit Symphony musicians. We'll be calling in and doing a nice little two-minute feature for us that will run on weekdays at two o'clock. So we'll be able to get the latest news on on what happened the night before. Yeah, I'll try to call in. How, wait, how are they going to do that? What time are they going to call? Uh, two. Well, they're going to call in the morning. The morning your time. Morning or? our time. So okay. after after your concert. Oh, so if they oh, if they if we finish a concert at ten, right? Uh, it'll be it'll, nine o'clock here. Yeah. So and and okay. we're we're sort of keeping our fingers crossed on a lot of things here, but uh, we think we can make it work. It shouldn't be that hard. Uh, it, it should not be that hard. That's true. Uh, uh, so, we do have you know it's it's you have a little more restricted access in China. Uh, you have to be very creative with the use of VPN accounts, and uh, I've written a whole bunch of travel notes for the orchestra among them is they should really make sure they've got their international phone plans. Otherwise you're going to return home to a $2,000 telephone bill. <laughs> I'm serious. It, yeah. it could be like that. Well, we're, we're very proud of our orchestra. Well, we, we are, hope to make you prouder. I, by the I time have no we doubt. Finish this up. I um, remember the last time 
the orchestra came back from a European tour. And that first concert in Orchestra Hall, as soon as the orchestra walked out, there was a standing ovation. Didn't have to play a note. It was it was so exciting. The reviews were good. People raved all over the world about the orchestra. As I'm, I have no doubt they will. Except uh, when the orchestra returns home, they're off for a few weeks. <laughs> we won't see yeah, them well, again for but, a while. But you'll, it, it'll happen. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, right? I mean, this is not the end. This is this No, no, is... no. But Asia's a little different than, than Europe in that you don't have music criticism in quite the same way. First of all, articles and reviews don't appear the next day or the day after. Sometimes they don't yeah. even appear in newspapers. They'll be in monthly magazines if they're there at all. And you have a just a different way of viewing it. So mostly the response will come from how the orchestras them, members themselves feel about the trip, how our sponsors feel about it. That would be interesting, actually, to mm. get in touch with General Motors and others who have done that to say, what did the trip mean for you as people who helped make it possible? That's well, an interview I'd like well, to be hearing. Before we let you go, uh, how important is this to the orchestra? What does a tour like this do to... Uh, the orchestra. Touring has changed. It used to be that you did it to get the word of the orchestra out. You used it to help sell your recordings. But today the the world is different. We don't really have to do this because of our presence on the internet. But there are pluses. The first one is that corporate part we spoke about at the beginning. The second part is as much as we love our audiences here at home, and they're among the greatest in the world. There's nothing like seeing appreciation for your product coming from other places. You're seeing an entirely different audience who really doesn't know you the way our Detroit audiences do. You're playing on world stages in comparison with all the other great orchestras that have played in many of these cities. And we go as these cultural ambassadors. We represent Detroit. We represent what the city is becoming. We represent how the evolution of the orchestra has occurred over the past several seasons. It is also the best time for orchestra members themselves to bond. They will form small groups and go out together and do many, many different things. Hmm. They will be, in many cases, in confined quarters sometimes on stages that are different to hear yourself play in a different acoustic. And usually the end result of a tour is a much closer bond within the orchestral ranks itself. And that's invaluable. It gives a high boost for the morale of members of the orchestra who now feel appreciated by other audiences. And there's no substitute for that. But there's no substitute for what it will be like when we finally all return back together on the stage at the end of September. The Detroit Symphony departs for Asia next week on Tuesday. The first concert is on Friday, and we'll have
reports for you starting then, keeping our fingers crossed. When it's like, hey, we're having summit meetings too, by the way. I beg your pardon? We're going to have summit meetings. A summit meeting? Oh, absolutely. Wow. Why not? You got to get everything fixed over there? Oh, sure. Yeah. It'll all be behind closed doors. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> don't worry. But I'll, I'll, I'll be reporting in on it. Well, that's relief. Fantastic. Oh, and by the way, check out the website, dso.org, for more information on uh, throughout the tour, but also regarding the free concert Sunday afternoon. Uh, oh, and check out mine, because in a couple days, it's lanceslacken.com. I've written, I had two weeks off. I'm diverting here. I, I, and when I have weeks off, I don't do anything. I really just become a vegetable, Hence the sit term. in front of the TV and do what I do, so... I've written several humorous articles recently, the one that will go up in a few days, I think. I sort of decided it was time to dive into Game of Thrones and see what this was going to be about. So I went through the first three seasons, and then I wrote a parody recap, (laughs) but mine is called Game of Podiums, and it (laughs) combines the world of the fantasy of the Game of Thrones, the world of opera, and the world of jazz. Your website is always entertaining. <laughs> I would highly recommend It'll it really anytime. Uh, good luck on the tour. We Thanks. look forward to You're having... not coming? Well, let me check my calendar. Yeah. Tuesday. They leave uh, midday. Tuesday. Okay, no problem. Yeah. I'll just uh, you know make a couple of calls. You got it. Uh, have a great time. Thanks so much, Chris. See you when we get back. All right.